The message that I have for us today is a message that I've shared with the monks and something that I want the monks to really focus on. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't apply to us. And so it does also apply to us. And that message is to arise and to shine, to arise and to shine. There are many challenges in the church. You know, as a pastor, sometimes I wish that I could just control everybody's mind and just have us all think the same way, just do the same thing. But of course, that doesn't, you know, that's not reality. A lot of times when we serve in the church, we have different personalities. We have different ways of approaching ministry. We have different ways of doing things. Some people, they just go with their hunches, hunches, right? They just, man, they just go with their feelings, right? That's how they serve. That's how they approach ministry. Other people, they have to analyze every single detail before they can do anything. Uh, back when I was working with the youth ministry, uh, um, I had this uh, young lady, um, young lady that was uh, part of the youth ministry. And wow, man, she can analyze things, right? She can just really analyze things. And she would just overanalyze everything. And she'll take every single detail and she'll just analyze it over and over and over again. And, you know, we would never be able to do anything until she finished analyzing her stuff, right? And so we always had it to wait for her. But that was her gift. That was her gift. And it kept us, um, sometimes a lot of people will lose, you know, they, they, they will, they'll be like, they'll lose patience with her. They'll be like, man, why can't we just get this going? But, you know, this, this young lady should just sit there and she'll just analyze everything. And I always have to share with them that, you know, we, we need this too. We need someone to analyze things for us so that, uh, we, we don't, to make sure that we don't go in the wrong direction. And so, um, we have so many different people of so many different backgrounds serving in the church. And so, sometimes it can be a challenge. For myself, I'm, I'm more of a planner. I like to plan everything out, you know. One of the things that's not so great about planning stuff is that a lot of times everything that you plan never goes as according to what you plan it out, right? And so you plan all these things. You have all these ideas and you plan everything out. But then when you actually sit down and do things, it never turns out the way that you plan it. And so that can be a, that can be a very, very annoying thing. You know, that can be a very, very annoying thing. And as I look upon, as I look at the story of Christmas and I look at, at Joseph and I look at Mary and I look at their life and I see one thing that, that was going on during, during this time in their own life. They had everything planned out. They had everything planned out. See, here was Joseph. Joseph was going to marry Mary. They were going to get married. And they were going to go home. And, you know, at that time, the, the Jewish culture at that time is a lot like the Hmong culture. You go back home and you stay with your parents, you know, until until um, you're ready to go out on your own. And the monk culture is a lot like that, too. You, you, when you get married, you don't, uh, as the man, uh, as the groom, you don't move out on your own, but you go back and live with your parents for a while. Um, that's how the monk culture is. And especially if you're the youngest son, right? You're, if you're the youngest son, you're expected to, uh, to have your parents live with you for the rest of your life. And so if you ever marry a monk guy and if he's the youngest son, so be careful with that. So that's what it's, that's what expected, that is what's expected out of the youngest son is to have the, his parents live with him for the rest of uh, the, his parents' life. Because the youngest son, his responsibility is to take care of the parents. And so, you know, but as Mary and Joseph, they had everything planned out. And they were, you know, they were going to come together. They were going to, they were going to get married. They were going to have their life together. I imagine they have all kinds of dreams that they wanted to do. So many dreams, so many things that they wanted to do. And all of a sudden, in the middle of that, all that planning, God interrupted their plans. God just interrupted their plans. In the middle of that, all that planning, all that stuff that they wanted to do, God sent an angel to Mary and let Mary know that, you know what? You're going to get pregnant. Sometimes I sit around and I think about Mary. And as a father, I think about, you know, how I would 
what how I would respond if my daughter, before she was married and she was a virgin, and she would come up to me and she would say, I'm pregnant now. And I wonder to myself, how would I respond to that? I can only begin to, you know, I, I can only begin to imagine exactly how it is that Mary's parents would respond to her. How, how would they respond to her at that time as she announced to her parents that she was being pregnant? That she's pregnant now. And she's carrying the Son of God. You see, during the time that, that she lived, it being, getting pregnant outside of marriage was something that's very, 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 very negative. Something that people really, really looked down upon. She could have been killed. She could have been stoned to death. That was the penalty for that. She could have been stoned to death. And yet this young girl, maybe no, no older than 14 to 15 years of age, because people back then got married very young, just like the Hmong culture back in our days in Laos and Thailand, we, we got married very young because our life expect, expectancy was very short. If I was still living up in the jungles of Laos, I'd probably be uh, dead by now, you know, because you die by the time you're 40 years old or something like that, because the life expectancy was just so short. And so I imagine Mary was probably no more than 14 to 15 years old, this young, young lady, taking upon all this pressure of her own culture, of her own culture, the time that she lived in, taking upon all this pressure, knowing that this is something that was, is going to ruin her own reputation. Knowing that this is something that's going to cause her even up to death. That she might even die just for this. And yet, in this challenge, as she faced this challenge, the only thing she can say to her God is that it, I am your servant. I am your servant. And she submitted herself. She submitted herself among all of the, these challenges. She submitted herself to the will of God. In order, in order for the word of God to be, to be fulfilled, she was willing to submit herself to the will of God. And that brings me back to Isaiah. And it makes me think about what God is saying here in Isaiah chapter 60 about rising up and about shining. About rising up and about shining. And that, that as I think about Mary and I think about the challenges and all the pressures of her own culture, maybe even the pressures of her own family that she had to endure at that time, instead of laying down, instead of forsaking the will of God, instead of doing that, she actually rose up. She actually rose up and said, I am your servant and I will shine for you. Even as I face these challenges in my own life. You know, when I think about the, the plans that Mary and Joseph were making, you know, I, I know a lot of times God, he does, he works on his own timing. He works on his own timing and the plans that we have hardly, you know, most of the time hardly goes as according to what God has planned already. And God works in his own time. As God is working in his own time in the life of Mary, I can only begin to imagine how hard it was for this young lady, this young lady to really just take upon all of this, to take upon all of this. But yes, she was willing to do it. She was willing to do it. And as I think about Joseph, I think about Joseph, I see the way that he responded to something that was unexpected of him. Something was just so unexpected. As he was going to marry this young lady, 
And all of a sudden, she was pregnant. As a husband, I think about that too. How would I respond? How would I respond if all of a sudden, if, as a man, I think about that too. How would I respond if I was, I was going to marry someone, you know, my fiancé, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I was to find out that she was pregnant. How would I respond? And most of the time, I think we would be angry. Most of the time, we would probably forsake that person. The Word of God teaches us, though, that Joseph was a good man. Joseph was a good man. And even though at first he had trouble accepting what Mary was going through, and he, but rather than exposing Mary to public shame and to, to punishment, he chose a different path. He chose to just divorce him, uh, divorce her quietly. And it goes to show us that Joseph, even in his own struggles with the situation that he was going through, with his fiance being pregnant, that he remained a good man. He remained faithful to God. And as he remained this good man, we see we don't know much about Joseph at all. We don't know much about him. But one thing that we know about Joseph was that he was a good man and that he was a very obedient man to God. He was a very obedient man to God. How do we know that? Because we see that when God sent his angel to Joseph and said, Joseph, you need to take Mary as your wife, that's what he did. And then when God said, sent an angel to, to Joseph and said, Joseph, you need to go to Egypt, that's exactly what he did. And then later on, when God sent an angel back to Joseph and says, it's time for you to go back to Israel, that's what he did. The challenges that he faced as a man, the challenges that he faced as he was trying to, to shine for God, as he was being this light for God, there were so much challenges there. And yet he remained obedient to God, just like Mary remained obedient to God. Then I think about Jesus Christ. I think about Jesus Christ. I think about the birth that he went through his own birth. And we don't know much about his childhood. But, you know, we know that as children, when we go to school, four to five years old, and when we go to school, you know, we always have our friends make fun of us, right? Over some of the smallest things. And yet, here, here he is, Jesus Christ. Well, all his friends at that time were probably born, you know, in, in nice places. Here is the Son of God. The Son of God who could have been born in palaces, in kingdoms, and yet... He chose to be the lowliest of lows. And he chose to be born in a manger. He chose to be born in a manger. And I think about the pain and the sufferings that Mary had to go through to give birth to Jesus Christ there in that manger. You know, um, a couple of our young Hmong couples, they've just given birth. I still, I still remember when we had Eli and, you know, giving birth in the hospital. I mean, I, I can never relate to the pain that you guys, that all the women go through. I can never relate to that. But, you know, when, we ha when, when, when you're ha giving birth in the hospital, the doctors, the nurses, they always try to make it as comfortable as possible. They always do. They always try to make it as comfortable as possible for us. And you got that little, you know, you got that little bed that you lay on. And if you need that bed to go up, just press the up button and it goes up. You, you will need the bed to go down, just press the down button and it goes down. 
I think about, you know, I was telling the moms this morning that, you know, I don't know, uh, when you guys gave birth to Thailand, I have no idea what you guys did back then, you know, because we had no bed or nothing like that either, so I had no idea. But what I do know about moms is that when you give birth, you get, you know, you, get, you go on your chicken diet for like a whole month, right? So every single day you get, you get your chicken and you get to eat your chicken. And um, that's one of the things that I enjoy about my wife giving birth is because we get to eat that chicken and I love that chicken. <laughs> so I probably like the chicken more than she does. But I love, I love that diet too. It's, it's pretty good. <laughs> but that's what we do. You know, they eat that chicken for a whole month. And so that's the chicken diet for uh, the moms. And then when I think about Mary... In the suffering, the birth that she, you know, the birth of Jesus Christ and the suffering that Mary probably had to go through to give birth to Jesus Christ and that manger, I, you know, it's, it's hard to even begin to imagine how much of a struggle that, that was, how hard that really was. Um, and yet here is this Jesus, this God, the Son of God, just cho- choosing, just choosing to be born in this manger. And it brings me back to that Bible verse again there in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 through verse 3, which God is talking to the people of Israel. God is talking to the people of Jerusalem, a city that is filled with war after war, a city that's going through so much, a city that's filled with nothing but darkness. And the people at that time, they were, they were feeling so much, you know, they were, they were receiving so much opposition from so many different angles, from all types of people. Even their own people were opposing them. And many times along the way, they felt like, you know, we, maybe it's time for us to just give up on this. They don't even know exactly what, what it is for them to even, what, what they need to do in order to proceed with their faith anymore. Why is it that's, that following God is so hard? Why is it that trying to follow God is so difficult for, for us? And many of them, many of them, they, they were going through so much, so much struggle. Just as I imagine Mary and Joseph were also going through during the, during, the, um, during the birth of Jesus Christ. I can only imagine all the struggles that they were going through. And yet, in that struggle, through the prophet Isaiah, God comes to them and God says, Arise, arise and shine. For your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. I love what the Apostle Paul says. He says that it is in his weakness that God's strength is shown. It is in his weakness. And sometimes when you think about that crazy Christians like me, we look for times of weakness, right? Man, when can I be weak? When can I be weak so Christ can shine? But you know, it is in our time of great weaknesses that God will be able to shine the most through us. And this word arise and shine, as much as it is a command, I want us to also understand that these words is more of a promise for us. It's more of a promise for us. Because God is not saying that you are going to do this yourself. God is not going to say, God is not saying that you are going to rise up yourself from this. But God is saying that this is what I am going to do for you. That in your darkness, that in the difficult times that you are going through, in the challenges that you are going through, in following me, 
that I am going to rise, I am going to raise you up, and I am going to cause you to shine. And that's why the Bible verse says that your light has come. Your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. You see, what it's teaching us here is that we are not the source of the light. We are not the source of our own strength. But God is that source. He is the provider. And this, so this arise and shine here is more of a promise than it is a command for us. And we can, we can find, we can find so much comfort and knowing that God is promising us that in our time of hardship and our time of challenges that He is going to raise us, that he, we are going to arise and we are going to shine. That in our time of hardship, that this is what God is going to provide for us. And today, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, as we remember the birth of Jesus Christ, we see that God has already provided for us. God has already provided for us this light. And whenever there is challenges in our own life, all we need to do is reflect back upon that light that God has provided for us in, in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago in that manger. That one place that no one wants to be in, God provided the light for us. As we, as we read the life of Moses, we saw how Moses, when he went up, when he went up to Mount Sinai to spend time with God, and as he was coming down from Mount Sinai, and we see, we see that as the Israelites were staring at him, as they were looking upon him, they saw, they saw the glory of God just shining upon his face, and they can see that, that glory, that glory of God just shining upon the face of Moses. And this is exactly what God is talking about. See, we're not the strength, we're not the source of that light, we're not the source of our strength, we're merely that reflection of God. But God is the light, and He's shining upon us, and we are that reflection to the whole world. And just like Moses, as he was coming down from Mount Sinai, and the Israelites can see the glory of God shining upon him, today, today, people can also see that very light in each and every single one of us each and every single one of us. That's who we are. But we have to remember one thing, that we live in a time that's so much more greater than the time of Moses. Many times we look upon Moses and we say Moses was a great man. And he was. He was a great man. But we live in a greater time. Because for Moses, the only people that saw Moses were the Israelites. They saw the glory of God on Moses for the Israelites and that's it. For us, for us in our time, the whole world, every ethnicity, every group, every culture will look upon us, will look upon us, and we will be that light. We are going to be that light. And so during our times of struggle, during our times of challenges, as a church, as, as a Christian, never, never forsake what God has given to you. But instead, remember the promise that God has given to you, that you will rise, that he will provide the light for you, and he will shine upon you. And it says, and it goes on, it says, See, the darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people, but the Lord rises upon you. And many times we see that darkness as something negative. We see that darkness as something bad. But we need to understand that it is in that darkness that the light is most needed. Without that darkness, there is no need for a light. 
And so when we see all these darknesses surrounding us, all these challenges, all these obstacles surrounding us, be joyful. Be joyful. Because that is when your light is going to shine. That is when your light is going to shine the greatest. And then it goes on and says, nations will come to your light, you see. Moses, for Moses, it was just the Israelites. But now God is saying, you know what, nations, nations with an S, everybody. Everybody is going to come to your light. And even kings to the brightness of your dawn. Even kings will come to our light. We just need to shine. We just, not need, we just need to keep going. No matter where we are at. No matter what kind of challenges that we may face. And so that's what I want us to remember on this Christmas day. It's that I want us to remember that no matter what challenges it is that we may have in our own life. That let us always be like Joseph, always be obedient to God. Let us also be like Mary and submit ourselves to what God has given to us. Let us understand that God works in his own time. He doesn't work on our time. A lot of times his time doesn't necessarily match our time, but that's okay. And let us also remember that Jesus Christ is the light. And he is that light that has come upon us. And he is that light that is shining upon each and every single one of us today. And as we go forth from this place, let us shine to the world so that we may draw all nations and all kings to Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much, Father. Father, we thank you so much for not making us the source of our own light because we're simply men and women who have no power but we thank you so much for providing the light for us and shining upon us. Father, we ask that you continue to guide us and through our challenges as a church, through our challenges as Christians, that we will not forsake the things that you have prepared for us and that we will continue to go on and that we will trust in your promise that you will raise us up and you will keep us shining so that every nation, every king will come to your light. And so we pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.